safe sex. As if. No sex with a vampire was safe sex. You couldn't even dry kiss without someday finding yourself on a long road to a permanent liquid diet. If you even survived all three hideous stages of the disease, which a majority of people who contracted it did not. Still, those two words nagged at me all the way back to the studio. Safe sex. Back before the hemovore virus, when all we had to worry about was HIV, my best friend Larry used to say, Keep your fluids to yourself, and everything will be fine. Just fine. Except nowadays, a condom wasn't enough. There were respiratory masks, and antiviral products for every surface known to man, and gloves. Dozens and dozens of gloves. I disinfected my hands with gel, swapped out my car gloves with house gloves, and let myself in with the key. The studio was more of a converted high-rise apartment than an actual place of business. Jonathan painted there and slept there, and I took his calls and ran his errands, his ridiculous routes, and we did our best to avoid one another and acted like everything was just fine. What are you doing? I said. There he stood, in the center of the kitchen. My kitchen. Well, okay, technically his kitchen, since it was his studio. He hovered there, midway between the autoclave and the trash compactor. He looked to be about 25 when I first met him, and he hadn't visibly aged a day since. I've grown to think of him as a non-age, a vampire age, which looked pretty much like 25. Leave it to Jonathan to make standing around and fretting look good. There was an intelligence to his face, a spark that smoldered behind his furrowed brow. Even when he was doing nothing more telling than standing, he was light on the balls of his feet. It was nearly a pose. Contraposto. Lean hip outthrust, arm loose. One side of his shoulder-length black hair was tucked carelessly behind his ear, and the other side dangled to his chin in uncombed waves. Black paint streaked one cheek, dotted his jaw and the bridge of his nose. Did he look silly? No, of course not. He looked breathtaking, as usual. His head turned and he looked at me. For just a moment, the overhead light in the hallway behind me refracted off his retinas, and his eyes glowed. But only for a moment. When he trained that gaze right on me, and I stood between him and the light source, all hulking six and a half feet of me, his eyes went practically black. Gypsy eyes. Mark. He rolled the R when he said my name. Just like Count Dracula, or more accurately, Bella Lugosi, who'd been born in Hungary like he had. It is bad. I wondered if this was the point at which he'd tell me the goth chick in the supermarket was actually a secret shopper he'd hired to make sure I wasn't cruising the vampire aisles. Could you be somewhat more specific? He huffed and gestured toward the refrigerator. Great, I said. You touched it with your bare hands again. Do you realize how long it'll take me to wipe it down? I clucked my tongue and set the bags on the countertop. I keep my lunch in there, you know. I told you we should order a second fridge. I was wearing the gloves. By which I could tell he was exceptionally agitated. 
because usually his accent wasn't any more pronounced than the heavily rolled R, a few flat vowels, and an overly lyrical lilt. Chastised, but only slightly, I said, Well, then what? He gestured at the fridge again. It is bed. Did the power go out? I went around him and pulled open the door. Cool air wafted from the opening. I checked the readout on the separate thermometer we kept in addition to the built-in unit. 37 degrees. The temperature's fine. What do you mean it's bad? It is cluttered. Oh. The refrigerator wasn't the problem. It. He couldn't even say the word blood in front of me, as if it was something shameful. Are you sure? Mark. Stupid question. Right. But we'd used the same blood dealer for years, and never had a platelet problem before.